Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of A-Minder. This episode is a pretty special one. Normally, the material we're covering would be split into two episodes, but you only need to listen to this one in order to learn about the latest literature published on targeting neuronal and synaptic function and neurotransmitter balance in Alzheimer's disease. Join me on the other side of this introduction for 13 papers published in October of 2021. Welcome to Aminder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you, so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. My name is Anusha, and I'll be your guide through these 13 papers. We've got a mixed bag of topics with the first half covering potential therapies for restoring synaptic and neuronal function in Alzheimer's disease models. The second half will be looking at restoring balance to neurotransmission by targeting cholinesterases, monoamine oxidases, and glutamate receptors. As I go through the episodes, you'll hear me refer to amyloid beta as A-beta and Alzheimer's disease as AD. We, of course, need funds to keep our podcast up and running on platforms that give you access to us, so a big thank you to our sponsor, the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration in Aging. Our sponsorship will not affect our content or the papers that we cover, but you will hear a few words from them during our intermission, and we'll mention any papers affiliated with or funded by the CCNA when we come across them. Speaking of content, we summarize abstracts that were indexed on PubMed and therefore are published in peer-reviewed journals. Although we do make an effort to remain unbiased, please don't take my word for the quality of the findings. You can make your own judgments by finding these papers in our free bibliographies listed in the order in which they appear in today's episode. To access our free bibliographies, head to today's episode notes for a link or visit our website. Okay, let's get started on our first section targeting neuronal and synaptic protection. Our first paper is titled Discovery of a Potent and Selective JNK3 Inhibitor with Neuroprotective Effect Against Amyloid Beta-Induced Neurotoxicity in Primary Rat Neurons. The first author is Jun and the last author is Ha, and this was published in the International Journal of Molecular Sciences. The authors are affiliated with Hanyang University in Korea. Our first paper is looking at members of the MAP kinase family that play a role in regulating apoptosis. In particular, the isoform JNK3 is specifically expressed in the brain at high levels in Alzheimer's disease and in Parkinson's disease and has been shown to contribute to pathogenicity. Researchers here tested five candidate JNK3 inhibitors for their potential as neuroprotectants. They don't go into detail in the abstract about the model, but you can posit from the title that these compounds were tested in vitro in primary rat neuron cultures that were treated with A-beta to induce cytotoxicity. They conclude their abstract by saying that of their tested candidates, Compound 35B had the highest inhibition against JNK3 and protected against A-beta-induced cell death. 
Not only that, but 35B had selectivity for JNK3 when compared to its binding to JNK1 and 2. You can look up the details if you're interested, but I'll summarize by saying that this candidate compound needs to be tested more in biological settings to see if JNK3 inhibition can improve cognition in AD. Next is paper number two, ethyl caffeate ameliorated amyloid beta-42 protein-associated toxicity in PC12 cells and Drosophila melanogaster. The first author is Ten, and the last author is Azam, and this was published in the journal Geriatrics and Gerontology International. The authors are affiliated with University Science Malaysia and the Ricken Institute in Japan. Our next paper also looks at an in vitro A-beta-based model of AD. This time, the model is PC12 neuronal cells incubated with A-beta-42, and the potential therapeutic candidate is ethyl caffeate. This is a naturally occurring compound found in the plant commonly known as cobbler's peg. In vitro, this compound reduced A-beta-induced cell death. The authors took their study one step further and looked at a Drosophila AD model and assayed rough eye phenotype, lifespan, and negative geotaxis. You can read more about these assays if you're interested, but they found that the compound ethyl caffeate partially rescued the rough eye phenotype, increased lifespan, and mobility of middle-aged AD-like Drosophila. Therefore, ethyl caffeine should be further investigated for its therapeutic potential in AD. From the journal Molecules, we find paper number 3, Oat Extract Avenanthramide C Reverses Hippocampal Long-Term Potentiation Decline in TG2576 Mice. The first author is Lee, and the last author is Joe. This was published in the journal The authors are affiliated with institutes in Gwangju and Suwon in Korea. Keeping in theme with naturally occurring compounds, this time we're looking to oats as the source of the compound avenanthramide C, which is a polyphenol. Authors here examined extracts from oats that contain this compound for its effects on memory in a mouse model of AD. From transgenic TG2576 mice, authors performed electrophysiology on hippocampal slices to characterize long-term potentiation, which underpins memory. They found that impaired memory was restored following treatment with the oat extract. Moreover, those changes were correlated to changes in the levels of proteins that contribute to synaptic impairment. Again, we have a promising potential therapeutic that warrants further investigation. Our next paper, paper number four, is entitled Memantine Improves Cognitive Deficits via Potassium ATP Channel Inhibition in Olfactory Bulbectomized Mice. The first author is Moriguchi, and the last author is Fukunaga, and they both belong to Tohoku University in Japan, and this paper was published in Molecular and Cellular Neuroscience. There is only one middle author, so I'll mention their surname too, which is Inagaki. The fourth paper of this episode is connected to the previous paper in that it also looks at hippocampal LTP, or long-term potentiation, as a measure of cognition. But this time, we're looking at the olfactory system, which can be severely impaired in early AD. 
Removing the olfactory bulb in mice can induce cognitive deficits and reduce cholinergic neurotransmission in the hippocampus. Memantine, a drug which is commonly given in AD to improve cognition, was tested here for its mechanism of action in olfactory bulb-lacking mice. They found that repeated administration of memantine improved cognition in behavioral assays as well as LTP in the CA1 region of the hippocampus. It also inhibited potassium channel CURE 6.2, which seems to underpin the improvement in CA1 function. They report more specific findings in the abstract, which I will leave for you to read up on further. Moving right along, we have paper number 5, Active Constituent of Polygala Tenuifolia Attenuates Cognitive Deficits by Rescuing Hippocampal Neurogenesis in APP-PS1 Transgenic Mice. The co-first authors are Wang and Zhao, and the last author is Hu. This was published in BMC Complementary Medicine and Therapies, and the authors belong to two different Chinese institutes in the Liaoning province. If you've been listening to my episodes for a while now, you'll note that this next plant source, Polygala tenuifolia, has come up several times over the last year. This is a plant used in traditional Chinese medicine and is said to have neuroprotective properties. Authors here looked at three compounds from the plant to identify which one contributes to neuroprotection in vitro and in vivo in APPPS1 AD mice. To keep this summary short, they found that the compound 3,6-dicenopoil sucrose increased proliferation and differentiation of APP-treated neural stem cells in vitro and rescued cognitive deficits as well as increased hippocampal neurogenesis in the transgenic mice. I reckon we'll hear more about this compound in future episodes, too. Next is paper number 6, entitled anti-PRP monoclonal antibody as a novel treatment for neurogenesis in mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. The first author is Lee, and the last author is Yu, and again we only have one middle author, whose surname is Ren. This was published in the journal Brain and Behavior, and the authors each belong to a different hospital in China. Our last paper in this half of the episode also looks at the APP-PS1 transgenic mouse model of AD. For context, A-beta oligomers can bind to cellular prion protein, which plays a role in neurogenesis and cellular differentiation. Researchers here targeted cellular prion protein with a monoclonal antibody called 6D11 and tested for its effects on spatial learning, A-beta levels, hippocampal neurogenesis, and neural stem cell differentiation. They found that the antibody attenuated deficits in cognition and reduced A-beta deposition. They also found that this treatment increased the amount of differentiation of existing hippocampal cells into neurons. They posit that the changes to neurogenesis and cellular differentiation could underlie the therapeutic effect of this antibody on cognition. Now that we are halfway through the episode, let's take a break. You'll hear from our sponsors and from me before getting back into the content of our episode. But do remember that if anything catches your ear, you can follow up on the paper by visiting our bibliography that is included in the episode notes. 
All you have to listen for here is the number of the paper, and that will correspond to the number in the bibliography. Nearly one million older Canadians live with a form of dementia. This number is expected to double within 10 years, and sadly no solutions exist yet to dramatically reduce these numbers. It has to stop. Research can help solve this problem. We are 350 researchers fully dedicated towards preventing and finding a cure to dementia, and to improve care to those living with dementia. We are the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration in Aging. The solution to dementia could be closer than you think. I want to take a short break to convince you to join me and the editing team here at Aminder. We are responsible for the high quality, polished episodes you hear, and our team is looking to grow so that we can cover even more episodes in a month. If you're interested in learning the ropes, send us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com. We do have other positions on our team if you're interested in those. I find it to be a rewarding auditory and visual challenge, and I love working behind the scenes to get the best out of our hosts. So if you want to feel like a superhero after editing out mistakes seamlessly, please reach out to me and to the Aminder team. Let's now return to our papers. This next section focuses on restoring neurotransmitter balance in AD using novel and existing drugs. Our first paper of this section is the seventh paper of this episode. Paper number seven is called Using Biomarkers to Predict Memantine Effects in Alzheimer's Disease, a Proposal and Proof of Concept Demonstration. The first author is Svedlo, and the last author is Light, and this was published in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Authors are primarily affiliated with the University of California in the United States. This abstract was quite short, so our summary of it will be even shorter. In this paper, eight individuals with AD participated in a double-blind study where they were given either placebo or 20 milligrams of memantine acutely. Again, if you think back to earlier in this episode, this drug is given to improve cognitive symptoms in AD. After acute treatment, participants continued with 24 weeks on 10 milligrams of what I'm assuming is also memantine. They found that their measure of autonomic and cognitive function and neurophysiology following acute treatment could serve as a biomarker to predict clinical sensitivity to memantine. I like this strategy, and I think it's worth reading up more about, don't you? Paper number eight is fluoxetine and sertraline-based multi-target inhibitors of cholinesterases and monoamine oxidase A B for the treatment of Alzheimer's disease, synthesis, pharmacology, and molecular modeling studies. The first author is Nadim, and the last author is Rashid, and there is once again only one middle author, Khan. This was published in the International Journal of Biological Macromolecules, and the authors are affiliated with King Abdulaziz University in Saudi Arabia and Kamsat's University Islamabad in Pakistan. Now we're moving on to targeting specific enzymes whose overactivity contributes to AD pathology. These enzymes include cholinesterases and monoamine oxidases. 
Authors here tested novel fluoxetine and sertraline hybrids for their potential as multi-target AD treatments. In vitro, they found that these compounds served as excellent inhibitors to both types of enzymes. They further report their findings of toxicity and safety, but I won't get into too much detail about that right now. They also did look in vivo in Swiss albino mice and found that their most active compounds blocked MAOB-induced neurodegeneration. Finally, in the paper, they also report molecular interactions that serve as the potential mechanism of inhibition. Moving on, paper number nine is entitled Discovery of Sulfur Drug Pyrrole Conjugates as Carbonic Anhydrase and Acetylcholinesterase Inhibitors. The first author is Gumush, and the last author is Gulchin, and this was published in Archive der Pharmazie Weinheim. The authors are affiliated with several Turkish universities. Another enzyme that plays a role in AD pathology is human carbonic anhydrase. These contain zinc and contribute to pH balance. Inhibitors that target this enzyme are already being used in other disorders, but authors here wanted to improve available acetylcholinesterase or ACE inhibitors by designing one that can target both ACE and carbonic anhydrases. They designed pyrrole-3-ON derivatives, which contain sulfa drugs, and found compounds to be differentially effective based on the target enzyme. Therefore, a better understanding of the molecular interactions of these candidates with their target enzymes could help create one compound that effectively targets multiple enzymes. Paper number 10 brings us to the journal Geroscience, with first and last authors being Balax and Kovacs. Apologies to my Hungarian friends if I have mispronounced these names, but paper number 10 is entitled Cholinesterase Inhibitors for the Treatment of Dementia, Real-Life Data in Hungary. If you haven't guessed already, the authors are affiliated with institutes that are based in Budapest, Hungary. Cholinesterase inhibitors were also targeted in our next paper. This one is a human study in which almost 9,000 individuals with AD were given cholinesterase inhibitors and kept track of in the NeuroHun database between 2013 and 2016. The proportion of individuals on cholinesterase inhibitors was only 14.5% of all individuals diagnosed with dementia. However, treatment of cholinesterase increased survival by roughly two years when compared to those who did not receive cholinesterase treatment. Of the drugs used in the study, the rivastigmine patch had the greatest compliance. You can read the paper for more insight as to what lessons the authors learned about AD prognosis and cholinesterase treatment. Paper number 11 is entitled Evaluation of Selected Carotenoids of Lycopersicon Esculentum Variants as Therapeutic Targets for Alzheimer's Disease, an in silico approach. The first author is Bacare and the last author is Kester, and this was published in BMC Molecular and Cellular Biology. The authors are affiliated with University of Western Cape in South Africa. Keeping in theme of cholinesterase inhibition, this group of researchers tested carotenoids from two types of tomatoes for their therapeutic potential in AD. 
They found four candidates from the PubChem database and investigated them for drug likeness to existing cholinesterase inhibitors, predicted toxicity, and molecular interaction using computer simulation, hence the in silico part of this paper's title. Of their tested compounds, neoxanthin had the highest inhibitory potential and is a good candidate to study further in a wet lab. The next paper is paper number 12. This is active targeted nanoemulsions for repurposing of tegacerod in Alzheimer's disease treatment. The first author is Segui, and the last author is Malzer Freon, and this was published in Pharmaceuticals. The authors are affiliated with Normandie University and Université de Montpellier in France. Our penultimate paper is looking specifically at repurposing an existing treatment for irritable bowel syndrome called tegacerod. This is a drug that is encapsulated here into lipid nanoemulsions and was administered IV or intravenously. They don't state what their animal model was that they used, but I'm sure that information is in the methods section if you're interested. In vitro assays found that these nanocarriers allowed for controlled release of this drug without conferring hemolytic properties. The next step in my books is to look at the mechanistic action and therapeutic potential in an AD model. Paper number 13 is called ABC Pred, a web server for the discovery of acetyl and butyryl cholinesterase inhibitors. The first author is Malik, and the last author is Nantasenamat, and this was published in Molecular Diversity. This paper seems to be a collaboration between Chinese and Thai institutes. We end on paper number 13 in this episode. If that's unlucky for you, I suggest listening to this episode once again to end up with a much more palatable 26 papers that you've sat down to listen to. Even though we're looking at cholinesterase inhibitors, this is a methods paper to better classify and model potential candidates to predict acetyl and butyryl cholinesterase inhibition. They ran over 2,000 compounds through their model and found that features such as aromatic rings, heterocyclic nitrogen, and amines are important for cholinesterase inhibition. You can find this model on a web server called ABC Pred if you're interested in using it for your research. The link is provided in the abstract for your perusal. So with that, We've made it through another episode targeting neuronal and synaptic function, as well as integrity. If you're interested in learning more about what goes wrong in these domains in the first place in Alzheimer's disease, I'm hosting another episode on changes to synaptic transmission in AD later in the series. That particular episode in previous months has been hosted by Glory, so you can always check out our previous publications if you're interested too. If you're interested in changes to cognition and behavior, please check out this topic in previous episodes that are hosted by Ellen Kosh. Anything that isn't covered in hosted episodes but was published in the field is still collected and collated into our bibliographies, so check out the episode notes or our website if you'd like another tool to stay up to date on the literature. 
Can I ask you a favor? We would greatly appreciate it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're using to listen to us. It improves our reach by a lot. Recommend us to your friends, connect with us over social media, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send us an email with your CV if you're interested in joining our team. A huge thank you to our sorting team, which consists of Jacques, Christy, Kate BP, Eden, Kira, Dana, Ellen K, and Ellen R. Thank you also to our management team, which is made up of Sarah, Ellen K, Ellen R, Nyla, myself, Jacques, and Shruti. And thank you also to Christy for editing my script and to Ellen K for reviewing the edited episode. If you like the music that you hear, I wrote it. I would love if you checked out the rest of my discography on YouTube under the channel AK Music or on SoundCloud under my name, Anusha Kamesh. Shameless plug aside, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. I hope to catch you in the near future. Bye.